Thank you for joining us for the True Life Fellowship Church podcast. Here is today's message from Pastor Devon Alexander. Open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3 and uh, meet me at verse 12. I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 in the Passion Translation. And the word of the Lord says, so search your hearts every day, my brothers and sisters, and make sure that none of you has evil or unbelief hiding within you, for it will lead you astray and make you unresponsive to the living God. So the writer of Hebrews tells us that every single day we are to search our own hearts. It doesn't say we're to search someone else's heart. It doesn't say that I'm going to examine my spouse or examine my, my mother, examine my neighbor, even examine my pastor. No, I'm supposed to examine myself. I'm supposed to search my own heart. And what am I looking for? I'm looking for unbelief that could be hiding on the inside of me. The scriptures tells us that unbelief will cause us to be unresponsive to the things of God. Unbelief will cause us to be disobedient to what God's telling us to do. And unbelief will cause us to be led astray. We will get off of the plan and purpose God has for us when we are caught up in unbelief. And since the, what, since May, Jeannie or something, we've been talking about faith for the last several months. And I believe that we're going to conclude our faith series today. And next we get into miracles. Over the next couple of months, we're going to be talking about miracles. And I'm, in, I'm excited to, to talk about miracles because in order to see miracles in your life, you're going to have to hear the miracle word preached so that you can be miracle-minded to expect God to do the supernatural. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So in order to see miracles, we're going to have to believe God. And we understand that Hebrews eleven six tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. How many of you want to please God? And so we have to identify, recognize, and notice where unbelief could be lurking and hiding in our life. We found out a few weeks ago that the disciple Thomas was dealing with unbelief because he said, unless I see the, the nail prints in the hands of Jesus or touch his side, I will not believe. And so we call him Doubting Thomas, but in actuality, he is not Doubting Thomas. He is Unbelief Thomas because he decided not to believe unless I see something or unless I touch something. And how many of you know faith is not registered by what you can see and touch and taste and smell and hear? Faith is something that is a conviction of your heart in the reality that God cannot lie. God cannot lie, so you believe him, you believe his word, you believe what he's telling you, and you obey him, you act on what you believe, and you are walking on the word of God, which is not always fun. I wish this was a fun walk all the time, and I wish that, you know, we can smile and eat cotton candy and pop some M&Ms, and walking by faith is just so jolly, and it's so relaxing. If that were the case, everybody would do it. It is very difficult to continue to walk by faith because the, the, the obstacle is what you see and what you believe don't always line up. What you feel and what you believe don't always line up. 
What you hear and what you believe doesn't always line up. So it's very difficult to walk by faith. And it's going to have to take a mature man or woman like yourself in order to walk by faith in order for what you believe to, to change what you can see. Because what you see is temporary and always subject to change. But what you believe is eternal. And when you operate by faith, what you believe on the inside will eventually manifest on the outside. But you can't skip the step of faith. You're going to have to walk by faith. You're going to have to add patience to your faith. And you're going to have to examine yourself. Am I in faith or am I in unbelief? And last week, we talked about how to discover if you're in unbelief is if you're worried, in fear, in anxiety, or full of doubt, you are struggling with unbelief. So if God's telling you, I want you to give $1,000 to the house of God, and you are in fear, anxiety, doubt, and you're shaking and your boots is knocking, you're in unbelief. And so what you're going to have to do is not get more faith. You're going to have to get rid of the unbelief. So we talked about that last week. I encourage you to go to truelifefc.org and listen to all of the free messages that we have on this topic, because the way we get rid of the unbelief is we focus on the love of God. God's love will cast out all fear. And when God tells you to do something, it's not so that he can put you into a detriment. It's so that he can get something to you that he's never gotten to you before. And you will begin to operate in faith and God will begin to move on your behalf because you are believing him, you're trusting him, you're depending on him, and you are relying on him. And unbelief is an indicator that you don't fully believe him, trust him, or rely on him. When you are shaking and knocking at the boots and nervous and scared and worried, identify it. Okay, I'm struggling here. Just like the man said, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I'm struggling here. Jesus didn't rebuke him. Jesus told him, essentially, get rid of the unbelief. All you got to do is believe. All you have to do is just trust me and get rid of that fear, doubt, anxiety, and just depend entirely on me. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. God wants you to be in a position that you completely and totally depend on him. That's exactly where he wants you to be. He doesn't want you depending on your spouse. He doesn't want you depending on your job. He doesn't want you trusting in your bank account. He doesn't want you trusting in the words of another. He wants you completely and totally dependent upon him. That's where he wants you. And that is called the walk of faith. Somebody say amen. Now, Romans chapter 4, turn there real quick. Romans chapter 4, I'm going to read verses 18 through 21. Romans chapter 4, verses 18 through 21. The Apostle Paul tells us, here he says, who, talking about Abraham, who, contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations, according to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. There it is again. But was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Look at verse 21. 
and being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And so Paul is telling us about Father Abraham. How many remember that song? Father Abraham had many sons. You remember that? And many sons had their Abraham. I didn't want to hit that high note there, but. And so are you. Yeah, I'm one of them and so are you. Abraham is who Paul is discussing here. And he's telling us that Abraham believed the promise of God to the point that he didn't waver at the promise of God. He didn't doubt. He didn't have care. He didn't worry. He wasn't, uh, you know, consumed by the problem over the promise. The problem was he was 100 years old and his wife is 90 years old and they haven't had a child. He didn't waver at the promise through unbelief. But he actually grew stronger in faith. How do you grow stronger in the faith? You stop doubting. You stop worrying. You stop caring. And you will grow stronger in the faith. He grew stronger in the faith, giving glory to God. And God performed exactly what he said he would do by giving Abraham a son. Now, full disclosure. Are you ready to, to, for me to serve you this pot roast coming out the... Crock pot, are you ready? I've always had a slight issue with this passage of Scripture. And I'm going to share something with you that the Lord shared with me this week about this. Because if you know the story of Abraham, it didn't look like he was so faithful. And we're going to talk about that. We're going to read a lot of Scriptures today. And I want to show you something that the Lord showed me. So go to Genesis chapter 12. And let's look at verse 1 through 4. Genesis chapter 12 and verses 1 through 4. And we'll see here, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. And I want you to notice every time God says the word, I will. Verse 2, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Verse 4, so Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot tagged along with him. His nephew just tagged along with him, and Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and verse 5 says, Then Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son. Sarai, that's her name. That's how you pronounce it. Sarai. Abram took Sarai and his wife. Abram took Sarai, his wife, and he took Lot with him. So, and Abram was 75 years old. I want you to understand, first of all, that you are not too old to have a purpose from God. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what your age says. I don't care what the number says. I don't care what year you were born. You are not too old to have a purpose from God. Here we see that God called Abram at the age of 75, and he gave him a purpose. Now, I always believed, this is the reason why I had an issue in Romans 4, and the Lord showed some things to me this week. I always believed, Kirk, that Abram believed God for 25 years for Isaac. I always believed that, that it was a quarter of a century that he was believing God to have the son Isaac. 
And I, I would preach it. I have preached that. He waited 25 years and he went for 25 years. But I want to show you something in this passage of scripture. Nowhere in here did God tell him about a son. Okay? He just said, I'm going to make your name great and your descendants will be a blessing. But he didn't primarily tell him about a son. And so let's go real quick to Genesis chapter 15. Turn the page over. Let's look at verses 1 through 5. In Genesis 13, I encourage you to read 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. Praise the Lord. Read it all. I encourage you on your spare time. In Genesis 13, Abram goes to Canaan and him and Lot. They separate there in Canaan because they're, they had so much stuff they couldn't live together. In verse 14, Lot gets captured. He and his family, Abram's people, his army goes and rescues Lot from captivity. And then a guy named Melchizedek shows up. Melchizedek is the priest of the Most High God. Abraham, Abram, Abram then at that point returned to Melchizedek, the tithe of all. He was blessed. And Abram returned, so he tithed. That's the first mention of the word tithe. 450 years before the law, Abram gave the tithe of all, which is a tenth. Tithe is a tenth of all to Melchizedek, the priest of the Most High God. We pick up in verse 1 of 15. After these things, these things are what I just talked about. The word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Glory to God. But Abram said, Lord God, what shall you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Big E of D-Town. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying in verse four, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Look at verse five. Then he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven, count the stars. If you're able to number them, he said to them, so shall your descendants be. Now notice here, this is the first time that God actually specifically tells Abram that he's going to have a son. Abram tells him, man, listen, I put you first. Man, I, I, I've always loved you in terms of since I had a relationship with you and I tithe of all and I'm going childless. There is a guy in my house that's going to reap all the inheritance in my house, but he's not my son. I want to have a son. And God tells him, there's going to be a son that comes through your body. All right, follow me. A son coming through your body. Now let's go real quick to chapter 16. The next chapter, let's look at verse 1 through 5. How many like turning the pages in the Bible? Amen. Go to some churches, they ain't got no verses, praise the Lord. Genesis 16, verses 1 through 5. Let's look at the New Living Translation. Genesis 16, 1 through 5. Watch this. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Look at verse 2. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. 
And Abram agreed with Sarah's proposal. And I need to pause right here for a second. Ladies, this is a word of warning. Never test your man like this. Never test him to invite him to go and be with another woman. Never do that because a man will do that. Okay, if you give him permission to do that, I'm just letting you know. I don't care how great you think your man is. I don't care how much integrity you think he has, how much character he has. If you say, go ahead and sleep with my, go, go ahead and sleep with her, he going to do it. I know, that's, I, I know, I know, I just, I, I know men might beat me up after this, but a man is going to do that if you give him permission. Never do that. Never, never do that. And we're going to see why we should never do that. Let's look at verse 3. So Sarah, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Eastern girl, gave, gave, <laughs> gave, gave her to her husband as a wife. This happened 10 years. This is important. 10 years after Abram had settled in the land of Canaan. Now remember, Genesis 12, he was 75. This is 10 years. Now he's 85. All right. Look at verse four. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar and she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew that she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarah, with contempt. Obviously, right? Look at verse five. Then Sarah said to Abraham, this is all your fault. Now, let's pause right here. Men, never say yes. If your spouse says, go ahead and be with that woman. Never say yes to that. So women never suggest that. Well, I know you like her hero. You just go and go be with her. He's going to probably do that. Don't ever suggest that. And women, or men, I should say, never agree to that. Never agree to it because you're going to get this statement right here. This is all your fault. If you've been in any type of relationship with a man or a woman and you <laughs> have had a debate and when it comes down to the real issue, the wife's going to always say it's your fault. I'm sorry, is this true? This is your fault. And you're going to have to take the ownership of it because you're the head of the house. Come on, listen to me. I'm, a, I'm talk, telling you the truth. And you're going to say, okay, this is my fault because I should have never took that suggestion. So ladies, never give that kind of suggestion because your man's going to take it. Men never say yes. If she does give that suggestion, never say yes to that because it's going to be your fault. Even though it was her idea, it's going to be your fault. Just go on and receive it. You are a man and you just take it. It's my fault because I should have never done that. You are responsible for your own actions. And all the men said, amen. amen. So this is all your fault. I put my servant into your arms and now she has become pregnant. She treats me with contempt. The Lord will show who's wrong, you or me. Pause. As I was studying and meditating and praying over this passage of Scripture, I told you Romans 4 always brought me a little struggle there. I noticed that if we look at Romans, I'm sorry, at Genesis, God tells Abram that a son is going to come through your body. Okay? Sarah has now gone years and hasn't been able to produce a son. Them together, not just her fault, them together. Haven't been able to produce a son. 
So say right, say right. Is it say right? Yeah, say right. I studied this all day yesterday, pronounce it right. Now I get it, I can't pronounce it right. Say right, okay. Say right says, I have a plan. This is what God really meant. Because remember, God said, it's only going to come through your body. He didn't say nothing about me. So here's what we're going to do. You take Hagar and you obey God and fulfill God's purpose and God's plan for your life. How often do you and I hear a word from God and it's not happening at the speed that we want it to happen and we decide this is what God meant. God meant for me to do this and you do something that God never told you to do and you completely miss God because of unbelief, the danger is you will completely be out of God's will because you're trying to fulfill something God didn't tell you to do. Now, more often than not, many of you and I, most of us, we want to hear God tell us every step of the way. Give me all the details. Tell me everything. I got to hear all of the steps. I need to know when to turn left and when to turn right. And if I don't hear all that, I'm not going to do nothing. God doesn't speak to you like that. God gives you statements, words. He doesn't typically give you, well, on this date, this is going to happen. At 1027, this is going to happen. At 1132, you're going to do this. And this person going to call you on Tuesday. He don't always do that. He gives you statements and words. And our job is to trust God and not interpret what we believe God is saying through the word that he's given us. Here's an example that happened in a positive way. I have a friend, good friend of mine. He had visions that he would minister to thousands of people. He would be a preacher and he would just reach people. And he had visions as a young man to do it. He went to Bible school. He tried several times to start his own ministry, and it just didn't work out. But he has a special set of skills to where he is talented in producing shows. He's talented in producing things that, that happen on TV and on YouTube. He's very talented behind the scenes and organizing what looks good, what doesn't look good, and how it should sound and how it should look and what should be communicated. Very talented at this. Well, he got connected to a minister who reaches millions of people through his TV audience, his partners. Uh, his ministry is, is large, extremely large, probably one of the largest ministries in America right now. He works directly with this man. There are, he sends me pictures all the time where he's with this man. And they're in the studio. And they're talking about how to produce this and how to do this and this and that and the third so that a production could happen so that millions of people could, could be reached. This man, for years, was always sad, Kim, because I thought I was going to preach and I would reach thousands. And what he doesn't realize until we've been talking about it is you're actually reaching millions. You thought it might have been you behind the mic. And I'm not saying it's up. Maybe, maybe God does put him behind the mic later on in the day. It's not over yet. 
but you thought it was going to be you behind the mic ministering, and that's his heart. Not, not, it's not chauvinist. It's, that's a desire, a passion. But what he must realize now is what God meant was I'm going to connect you with someone, and you're going to be so close to that person that you're going to influence that person who is reaching more than you ever thought you would reach on your own. When we interpret what God says to us in our own finite mind, it is always wrong. I want you to listen to me. It is always wrong. Anytime the Lord has spoken something to me, it, it never came out the way that I thought it would happen. In order for me to stand up here before you and pastor this church and, and be a leader of this church, I, I had to get fired twice. I didn't do nothing wrong. Seriously. And I look back and it was all part of God's plan to separate me. If God had told me, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to get fired. They're going to badmouth you. You're going to lose some friends and you're going to struggle in this area and you're going to get started with nothing. And I would have said, I don't want none of that. I don't want it. I don't want I don't want to have any of that. That's why he don't tell you everything. Who am I talking to in here today? That's why he doesn't give you all the details and all the intersecrecies of what's going on and because you would turn it down and deny it and say, I don't want it. So he gives you a glimpse, a statement, and then he asks you to trust him. Just trust me that what I put in your heart is going to come to pass. It's not going to be how you figure it out. And I'm going to endeavor to, to, to solicit to you, never try to figure it out. Because it, if you figure it out how it's going to happen, that's a way God's not going to use. Are you listening to me? Because you'll never get all the glory for what God does for your life. So I've stopped trying to figure out how God's going to do it to give him more opportunity, more ways to, to do it. Because if I, if I figure out all the ways, God said, all right, those 39 ways, I'm not going to use any one of those. So I've stopped trying to figure it out. I just chill and say, God's going to do this thing. He said it. It's going to happen. He said it. I believe him. That settles it. He said it. I don't care what path I have to take. I trust God. I'm with God. I obey God. I know God. Anybody else believe the same way I believe where this is concerned? I trust God. And so we see here that Sarah had a plan. God didn't say anything about me. He said it's going to come through your body. So you get with my my servant girl here and fulfill God's plan. That's wonderful, right? Uh, No. Let's go to Genesis 17. Look at verse 1. Genesis 17 and verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old... The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. Pause. He's 99. So earlier, 75. And then 10 years later, he got 85. Now he's 99. They did have a son. The son's name is Ishmael. Ishmael was about 13 or 14 at this point. Abram is 99. And look at verse 2. And the Lord says, I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Abraham's probably said, I've heard this before, right? Verse three, then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. Here we go. This is, now we're introducing the word father, 
Verse 5, no longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. Abraham means father of many, for I've made you a father of many nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Now, pause here. This man has no child of his own, howbeit he does have Ishmael, but that's been looked down upon because of the way they, they came up with how to have Ishmael. So he is living with his wife, no children in the house with him of his own, and God is talking to him about being a father of many. That's what hum means, father of many or father of a multitude. So here he is now having to call himself father of many. Him and his wife have no children together. And God's saying, call yourself father of many. Have people call you father of many. No, no true. He and his wife are no children together, but you are father of many. This morning I was awake. I woke up and I was praying over this message this morning. And I just started declaring some things over myself. I'm prosperous. I'm a millionaire. Well, oh, pastor, how dare you talk like that? I'm calling myself some things that I want to see come to pass. I'm healthy from the top of the head to the sole of my feet. I'm in my right mind. I'm God's man for today. Amen. Are you listening to me? I have the right words to say today. I know what to say. I'm full of the wisdom of God. I believe my voice will make a difference today. You're going to have to begin to call yourself some things that you don't see yet. You're going to have to begin to speak to yourself, not trying to convince nobody else, but speaking to yourself about things that haven't appeared yet. God told him, I need you to talk. I need you to call yourself Abraham. You you need to talk. You need to say, you know what? I've got more than enough to pay that property tax bill in Jesus name. I can pay. I can pay that daycare bill in the name of the bill. I call you paid. And it's sitting on your desk talking about you ain't got the money. It's sitting there. You look at it and say, Bill, be paid in the name of Jesus. What am I doing? Pastor, you out of your mind. You're absolutely right. I am out of my mind. I am now in the faith, believing God that he's going to do some things before I even see it happen. God told Abraham to begin to talk before you even see it happen. So before you, many of you know, Zai, our oldest daughter, uh, she got a, a full academic scholarship to a college. We used to talk about that years before it even happened. Zai has a full academic scholarship. We didn't know where at the time, but we used to talk to her about it. Zai, you're going somewhere on a full ride. Zai, they're going to pay for you to go to college. Don't worry about student loans and all that thing because God is going to pay for you to go to college. Years. And then we get a letter saying, here's a full academic scholarship. Amen. <laughs> What, what, what am I talking about? I'm talking about calling things that be not as though they were. You're going to be able to have to look at situations and begin to talk to situations and commanding situations to turn around before you see it turn around. Nothing just happens. Listen to me. Nothing just happens. You're going to have to make it happen. When God in Genesis chapter one looked out, and he saw how dark it was. Did he say, oh, my God, look how dark it is. 
Me, oh me, it's so dark out here. Is that what he said? He said what? Let there be light. He looked at a situation that was different than what he wanted to see, and he called what he wanted to see, and he changed to what he wanted to see to exactly what he said it was. Come on, somebody. I don't know if I can say that again, but that was good. <laughs> don't call the dog when you want the cat. Are you listening to me? Some of you keep calling the cat, and you keep calling the, I mean, the dog, you keep calling the dog the dog, but you really want the cat, well, call the cat. Stop saying all the time, well, my, I got this back pain, and oh, 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 it's so bad, it's so bad, my back. You know my back, my back, my back. Start saying, my back is healed. I call my back healed and just stand straight up, back. My back is healed. My back is loose. My back feels great today. Oh, it don't feel good, but I'm calling it that it feels good today. And you begin to talk to items and talk to things and talk to your body. And God told Abram, Stop calling yourself Abram. Call yourself Abraham, the father of many. Come on, somebody. Say amen. amen. Now, let's look at verse 15. Then God said to Abraham, notice God stopped calling him Abram. Then God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai. But Sarah shall be her name, and I will bless her, and also, watch this, give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she should be a mother of nations, kings of people shall be from her. Now pause, I'm going to jump back on this, but pause. This is the first time Abraham receives more instruction from God. You're going to get a son through your wife. Now, before he said you're going to have a son through your body, and they took their own liberty to go create a son through Abram's body. But now God says, I need to be more specific or you're going to go do something stupid again. I'm going to tell you that the promise is going to come through Sarah. I'm going to give you a son through Sarah. At this point, Abraham is 99, Sarah is 89, and God is talking about children. Look at verse 17, Genesis 17, 17. Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, not out of his mouth, but in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a son? Now, pause. I'm going to jump back on this. Abraham laughed and said this in his heart. Now, this is how powerful God is. He didn't even have to say it out of his mouth. He said it on his inside, and God heard the laugh. Listen to me. Anytime you laugh at what God tells you to do, you are in unbelief. Listen to me now. When you laugh, you're mocking. And your dreams should be so big. God should have given you such big dreams that when you tell people your dreams, they should laugh. Because they don't believe it. Because God's going to do it and not you. 
Stacy and I, when we start talking big, we have to be really careful because we start laughing. Cause I've been, cause you guys know I've been, you know, I want my own, I want my own airplane. I don't, I don't want to fly commercial no more. And so we're like, man, we're gonna, I'm gonna get a, yeah, I'm gonna get a jet. And Stacy said, ha ha, oh, we better not laugh. Don't laugh, don't laugh. We're gonna believe God. We're gonna trust God. What are you saying, Pastor? Your dreams should be so big that they make you almost laugh. But don't laugh. Because when you laugh, you're in unbelief. When you laugh, you're mocking at God. You should be dreaming big. Your mind really is there for two things. The reason why you have a mind is for intellectualism. So you can have <laughs> some intellect and imagination. That's the two reasons for your mind. Your mind's not there for you to doubt. But we've allowed doubt to come in because we start seeing and asking, how can that happen? But you should be imagining. How many of you remember when you were a children, a child? How do you remember all of the imaginations you had? All of the things you were going to do and accomplish. I was talking to my children, and one of them had six or seven professions they were going to be. And we just said, you, you know what? You could do all of that. Yes, you can. I mean, they're just imagining. They want to do that. And then we get a little older. Come on, somebody. And, well, I can't do that. I'm too old. Can't learn how to swim. Too old. You know, can't learn how to play the keyboard. I'm too old. Too old to go out there and run a mile. My knee got this knee thing, can't, you know, I can't do no exercise. Why, why don't you exercise? Got this knee thing, you know. Doctor tells you, hey, your heart, something going on with your heart. Get a, get a little exercise. Well, my heart, doctor. Well, that's right. You need a little exercise to help your heart. Well, I got a heart issue. I know. That's why you need a little exercise. And you're back and forth, back and forth on this, and you're talking about what you can't do. But we need to go back into imagining. I've been just imagining. I told Stacy, and I will challenge you with this, and we'll probably do this in January, but I'll challenge you with it. If money wasn't an issue, what would you want to receive from God? We wrote some things. It took us months to fill this out because we're always thinking about money. We're always thinking about what we can't do. And we had to, we took some time, and I, we would check back in, and all of a sudden, she, she had some things on her list. I'm like, baby, I can go out and buy that right now. Let's take that off your list. We're not talking about that. Okay, I need you to think bigger. And she would say, uh, Devon, we can go get that right now. Okay, you're right. Take that off my list. Think bigger. Think bigger. Almost to the point where you laugh or you know your brothers and sisters, your family would laugh if you had that and God provided that for you. You know what I'm talking about? Stuff like I went, I went to a pastor's meeting recently. And in the pastor's meeting, they asked me to share uh, something. And I shared about, many of you know, remember early this year, I was excited to take my first private trip on a, on a private jet. I've flown in little small jets before private jet, but this was my first 11 seat private jet. It was nice. And I guess how much it cost me to fly on it? Zero dollars. Okay. And so I flew on this private jet and I shared with these pastors that, man, that was just a dream of mine to fly private because one day I just want to fly private. I mean, that's just a dream of mine. I don't care if you, I don't care what y'all think about me. I really don't. I don't care if y'all don't like me because I want to fly private. I don't care. I, uh, heathens fly private all the time. 
They do it all the time. All day long, heathens are flying private. Why can't a man of God fly private? And so I, I said, and I shared with these pastors, it was a dream of mine. It was such a great trip. I had my legs kicked up and I'm smiling. I was so happy. And oh, man. And, and on the way back from the trip, I, I carried some stuff on the plane there. You know, I had a backpack and some stuff to get on the plane. On the way back, I went to the city and they had given me some stuff. And, you know, if you fly in commercial, you got to check all that. And I had to do none of that. I grabbed all the stuff they gave me and my other stuff. And I carried it right on the private plane. I said, this is the way to travel. And I shared it. With these other pastors, all of them are like, who paid for that? I don't know. It wasn't me. And if I did, that's none of your business. They're all like, I mean, well, you think you're too good to fly commercial? No, I never said I was too good. I just said heathens do it. I want to do it too. And, uh, And one guy came up to me at the end. I never met him before. He walked up to me and he said, thank you for sharing that story. He said, because I like yachts and I just want to get on a yacht. And when you told that story, man, my imagine as a kid, I've always wanted to get on a yacht. I had suppressed it because, you know, what do people think if a pastor's on a yacht? And, and when you told that story about flying in that jet, man, my imagination just got triggered again. And because you told that story, I'm going to get on a yacht. I like yachts, and I'm going to get on a yacht. I said, yes, you are. He said, man, I'm going to tell my people, too. I'm getting on a yacht. Y'all going to see me on a yacht. What am I talking about? I'm not talking about materialism. I'm, I'm talking about imagination. I'm talking about dreaming again. And what happened here is God gave Abram a dream that you're going to have a son, and he gave it to him more specifically, and it's going to be between you and your wife. Look at verse 19. No, go to verse 18. I'm sorry. Verse 18. And Abram said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. So remember, Abraham is still thinking about his son Ishmael that he had with Hagar. Let, I know you're talking to me about a child, but I'm 100 years old. <sighs> Let's talk about Ishmael. You see that? He's in unbelief. He laughed at it. Now he's bringing up Ishmael. He's in unbelief. Verse 19, then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant with the descendants after him. Verse 20, and as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He he will, you know, princes and all that thing. Look at verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear with you at this set time next year. Now, he's 100 years old at this point, And I submit to you, this is the very first time that he has heard that him and Sarah are going to have a son. So in the past, I used to believe that he had, he had held on that for 25 years. I don't believe he knew about Isaac in Genesis chapter 12. I believe he heard about descendants and he was thinking some other way, but he wasn't thinking about Isaac. And then when God told him you're going to have a son, they contemplated that you have it with Hagar. And so, look, you had your son. We fulfilled God's will, but that wasn't the key either. Now God shows up to him at 99. You are not too old. So I know some of you feel like, I, I, I just, I haven't, I'm not married yet. You're not too old. 
you're not too old. At 99, God appears and says, it's going to be you and your wife, Sarah, and I'm going to bring a son to them this time next year. Now look at Genesis 18, verse 9. Genesis 18, verse 9. Let me move on here. Then they said to him, this is, uh, let me tell you some background. Some people came to give a word. Abraham served these people. They were angels. He came and they came to give a word to them. In verse 9, they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent, verse 10. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Here we go again. Not just Abraham. This is very specific now. This is going to be Sarah. It's going to have a son. Sarah was listening in the tent door behind Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. What happens when you laugh? You're in unbelief. After I've gone old, Shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? Verse 13, the Lord said to Abraham, why did you, why did Sarah laugh? And then, I love this part, is there anything too hard for the Lord at the appointed time I'll return to you according to the time of life and Sarah shall have a son? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? So notice Abraham laughed. They're 100 years old. I'm going to do this for you, God says. They both laugh at this. They're in unbelief. There was one particular time, someone, I, I was believing God for, for something for the church. It was financial. And it was, a, it was a big amount of money. I was believing God for it so that we could have and do some things in the church. And I've, I heard the Lord say, I'm going to, well, Okay. I heard the Lord, I'm being very transparent. I heard the Lord say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for you. And there's a large sum of money. I'm going to do it for you. And I, I started laughing. I was like, oh, Lord, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. And the Lord said, why did you laugh? Same thing. Why did you laugh? This is a conversation. And I said, it's because I don't believe. He said, why don't you just believe it? And then later on, we had a guy come to our church. Um, and he, he was standing right here, and he had a word for me. He said, Pastor, I'm going to bring people to, to the ministry. It was confirmation what the Lord had said to me. And they would give on every level. Some would give on tens and twenties, receive them, call them blessed. Some would give hundreds and thousands, receive them, call them blessed. Someone would give thousands and hundreds of thousands, receive it and call them blessed. And he said, some would give millions at a time, receive them and call them blessed and get big things done quickly for me. That was the word. Get big things. Well, the what the Lord told me is, I'm going to have people give millions. And I laughed. Oh, Lord. And then this man came and said, the Lord said, if you will receive it, people will come and give millions to get big things done. Is this about money? No, it's about trust. It's about what God wants to get done in the earth and who, and who he wants to get it done through, through us. And I thought, Lord, that's what you said to me a while back. And I started laughing. And when the man said I didn't laugh because I heard it before. I thought, oh, God wants to do some big things. Has anybody given a million yet? It's, it's one of y'all going to give the million. Amen. Who, who's it going to be? I see that. It's going to be one of y'all that's going to give it. And so, uh, no, it hasn't come yet, but I don't laugh at it anymore. I believe it now. We're going to get big things done quickly for the Lord. What is it 
that God wants to do in your life. This is what the Lord told me to tell you. What is it that God wants to do in your life that you stop believing him for? What dream, what vision, what goal, what has God said to you that you have quit and you no longer are trusting him for it anymore? In Romans 4, when it talks about Abraham did not waver at the promise, but grew stronger, giving glory to God, he didn't doubt, he didn't waver. This is what I submit to you. Abraham believed God for one year. I thought it was 25, guys. I thought it was all 25 years that he was waiting for God. God told him at 99, he had the baby at 100. One year, he said, I'm going to trust God. I submit to you, what is it in your heart that you can believe God for without wavering that's going to challenge you for God to do this time next year? What is it? What is it? What is it? Don't just look at me. What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? What can I trust God for? What is it? What, what miraculous thing can I believe God for? I, I, without wavering with, and, and, and hold on to his promise and, and not doubting and, and trusting. Can you do it for a year? One year. I submit to you, this is what the Lord told me in prayer. If you do what Abraham did for one year, you'll get what Abraham got in that year. That's what the Lord said. What is it? What is it? Is it a reconciliation with a family member? Is it, is it a spouse? What, what is it? Is it, is it marriage? Is it, is it to have a child? What is it? What is it? What is it? What is it? God is telling you, commit for a year in believing me. Take a year to believe me for it. And if you'll trust, and if you'll act like Abraham, and if you'll do what Abraham did, if you will not consider the circumstances around you, Abraham did not consider that he was 100 years old for one year. He said, I'm not going to think about it. I'm 100. I'm not going to think about Sarah as 90. I'm going to trust God. Stop considering how much money you make. Stop considering what you can and can't do. Stop considering who your mama and papa was. Stop considering all that and only consider what God says. Can you, in one year, can you do it for one year? One year. What is it? What is it? What is it? Write it down. I want you to write it down. God, I'm believing you. And I've, I've already jump-started. I already know what I wrote down because I knew I was going to talk about this. Praise the Lord. God, what is it? This is what I'm believing you for. In one year, I'm not going to waver. In one year, I'm not going to stumble. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to trust you to do it. I'm not going to consider the alternative. I'm not going to consider my age. I'm not going to consider my health. I'm going to consider your word for a year. And I submit to you, I hear the Lord saying, I had to write this down. I hear the Lord saying, by this time next year, you will see it. How many will receive that? Say, I receive that. Say, I receive. Now, say, if you receive it, stand to your feet. If you receive it, this time next year. But here's the caveat. If you don't write it down, you won't even know what it was, and you won't know if you received it or didn't receive it. Write it down. Get your notes out. Write it in your notes out. Put it in your reminder. 
write it down. Lord, in one year, I am believing you for this. And I've heard the Lord speak some things to me all my life. I, I hear from God. But there's some very, very specific things the Lord has spoken, and this was one of them. He said, tell the people, if they'll believe me like Abraham did for one year, this time next year, they'll have it. And I want to hear your testimony. I want to hear your testimony. If you're open enough to share it, Pastor, I believe God, and it happened this time next year. I'm excited about what, what has happened in our debt cancellation. We In January, we had a debt cancellation, and people's debts have been canceled. In Jesus' name. God can do it. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Listen to me. Close your eyes. I want you to hear this. Listen to me. Close your eyes. I really want to do it, says the Lord. I want to do it. I know you think I can, but I want you to know I am willing and not just able to do it for you. Open your eyes. Look at me. What is your part? Believe. Confess it. God is working in my body. Whether it be, whether I hear some of you want to get off a of medication. You're on a medication. Let, let the Lord do a work in your body. And the doctors will tell you to get off that medication. You listen to me? Don't, oh, I'm just going to get off because, no, 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 no. Let, let the Lord do a work. And the doctor say, hey, you don't need to take that no more. Your numbers are, are just perfectly fine and we need to, you to stop that medication. Whatever it might be, I solicit and I decree and I declare. If you'll trust God for a year, just one year in this matter, you will see it in one year time. What's today's date? August 27, 23. August 27 or 24, you'll have it. How many of you will act like you have it right now? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. You praise the Lord and act like you got it right now. Y'all are not acting like you got it right now. I mean, if you had it, somebody would shout about it. Somebody would give the God praise for it. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Praise is what makes things go faster. Praise will steal the enemy, meaning arrest him, stop him in his tracks, and cause things to go faster. Some of you are going to have to get out of your shell, and I'm just quiet. And you're going to have to really begin to praise the Lord. You're going to have to shout. You're going to just have to, let me just hear somebody shout. Okay, all right, all right. So there is a shout in you. How would you respond? when what you're believing for manifested right now. How would you respond? Oh, hallelujah. There we go. Now get out of your shell. Whatever it is, I'm telling you, this is, a word. this is a word from God. This is a word from God. If you will believe like Abraham believed for one year, he heard the word, he believed it, Isaac came and the rest is history. You'll have what you believe God for. Father, lift up your hands. Father, in Jesus' name, we take this word today and we receive it into our hearts. We will apply it in our life. There's some things that you individually know that we've been, we've been desiring to occur, 
And I believe your word, I believe you, I will not consider the alternative that it may not happen. I'm not even considering it may not happen because I believe your word. You have been listening to the ministry of Devon Alexander, pastor of True Life Fellowship Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. For more information, go to our website at www.truelifefc.org. You can also support this ministry financially through our website. Thank you, and remember to love, learn, live, and lead.